Good morning, Mercy Road Church. How are you this morning? I like it when I get some woohoos. Uh, hey, welcome to Mercy Road Church. This is where we believe that nobody is too far from being discipled into a loving relationship with God, and we are welcoming you. We're so glad you guys are here. We also want to welcome those that are watching online. That's right. There's probably right. some dads out there that are golfing, watching us on their phone right now. From the golf course. Yeah, and if you want, if you've got your phones, you guys can go in and invite people too because uh, it's an awesome thing to do. So, uh, happy Father's Day, Greg. Happy Father's Day, Ben. Now, who are you? Uh, my name is Ben Glenn. I'm with the uh, students. All right. Good. Yeah, I got some of my students over here. Thank you. Thank you very much, Kaylee. I appreciate that. I got a candy bar for you later. <laughs> All right. Uh, Greg, who in the world are you? We can't even hear you. Your mic's way down there. Okay, I'll put it up here. Yeah, I'm um, Greg Strand, uh, one of the pastors here that deals with getting people outside the walls of the church living on mission. Very good. Well, yeah. hey, it is Father's Day, isn't it? It is. It is. You got some big plans today, don't you? I'm going to go have a daddy date with my daughter back there, Liz. Yes. <laughs> I kind of am jealous because you told me what you guys are going to do. Yeah. Where are you guys going? We're going to see Top Gun. Top Gun! (laughs) It's going to be fun. We've debated it quite a bit over the last three weeks uh, preparing for this message, and uh, basically we came to the fact that I'm Goose and he's Maverick. (laughs) So, hey, Maverick, can you tell us? It's it's Father's Day. You got a dad story you can tell us? Kick us off? Yeah, I do. I do. I have a dad story. Liz will remember this. So, when they were in elementary schools, a school, excuse me, Liz, John, and Heather, uh, my three kids. Uh, we lived out on a farm up in Muncie. We had a small farm, five acres, couple horses, an above-ground pool, no air conditioning. So we get in the pool at night, cool down, and then go up and uh, all get in bed together. And then I'd tell them a Mr. Hoo-Hoo story. <laughs> Y'all are looking like, don't you know what a Mr. Hoo-Hoo story is? Mr. Hoo-Hoo was this wise old owl that lived in this massive oak tree that had a big door, and the three kids would go all on their own. They'd start knocking on the door, and he'd go, who's there? Who's there? <laughs> and then they'd go inside and see this beautiful fireplace going on, uh, warmth. It was cozy. Then there were the branches of the trunk that went out, and they would go open those doors, and then I would take them on an adventure, one of the many that I did in my life, and I would turn it into a story. And so afterwards, we'd finish up one story and say, oh, Dad, can we just do one more Mr. Hoo-Hoo story? And then I'd have to think, oh, my gosh, okay, i got to think of something else. And then, yes, we did. So anyway, favorite memories, great memories of my kids. I, I didn't know Greg was that creative. And oh, yeah. every time he kept talking about that owl, I kept thinking, remember that Tootsie Roll commercial? I'm like, how many licks? Does no, it really. take, do you know how many licks it takes to get to the center? I do, I do not. Three. That's what it was, three. Absolutely three. Uh, so it is Father's Day, but that's not the only it's holiday that we're beat. celebrating, Greg. we got another amazing yeah. holiday. Tell, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so um, there's a holiday that, is, that you may or may not know about. It's called Juneteenth. It's an incredibly special time for African-American friends and family who um, celebrate the freedom from being enslaved um, back in 1865. Now, the challenge of what happened with this is that the Emancipation Proclamation happened in 1863. Two and a half years before this, uh, then the Washington Senate General uh, down to Galveston, Texas, he wrote artic- read Article 3, which basically said all 250,000 people in Texas who were enslaved were now free. And so that has become more like a national holiday and one that we can celebrate 
celebrate and join with if we have friends uh, that are African-American friends, then just rejoice in the fact that there has been freedom and deliverance. And there's picnics going on today all around the city. I live down in the city in the heart of it. There's picnics, family gatherings, and also what's happening is that the telling of the story and the stories are being shared with this next generation so that they know what folks have been through and how difficult it's been and now how to live this life the best that they can. So that's Juneteenth celebration, and uh, we rejoice with them. Last, with all of our friends, last year that was uh, officially proclaimed as a national holiday. So today, Father's Day, is Juneteenth Day as well. All right. So we are in the book of Judges, and we've been going through this series, and uh, Greg and I, we sat with Josh, and we were given the task of unpacking chapter six. Chapter six. In fact, in fact, in fact we, we read it together, and as soon as we got done, we're like, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> it's positive. But we've sat in this for about three weeks, and every time we crack open this this chapter, there's something new. You know the Bible says it's alive and active? Oh, we, right. we saw that firsthand in three weeks. It is, it is. We've got so much material. In fact, Greg and I, we started a, a podcast a while back, and we literally shot two hours worth of material just from chapter six. So we're, we had to you know, kind of mm-hmm. tighten it all down a little bit. So you guys are going to get like a little helping of what, what God's yeah. done through us during this. And, and they're, they're not going to hear the 10 sermons that I preached to myself last night at 3.30 <laughs> in the morning thinking about this and new lessons and insights. I thought, oh my gosh, you know, the Lord's word is so rich. And one of the reasons that we're in the book of Judges and this whole, this whole year is, is really celebrating the, the word of the Lord is that God has lessons for us that are practical for today. And so just like the, um, the children of Israel were held captive, and just like we've talked about Juneteenth, the, the enslavement that's happened, so too Israel for 400 years was held captivity. And what happened then is that you find, you read the deliverance that God made through Moses, the book of Joshua, they cross the Jordan into the promised land, and then an entire generation disappears and dies, and then a new generation comes up. And guess what, Ben? They did not follow the ways of God. Nope. Matter of fact, in, in Judges 3.10, it says, And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. So God was raising up judges or deliverers for the people when they'd sin. He'd say, fine, you want to sin? Yeah, go at it. And then the, the invaders would come, right? And so I think a, a, a couple critical lessons for this is that we have to remember what has happened and what's going on in the world around us today. We have yeah. the wars. We have the incredible tragedies of the shootings. We have so many crazy things going on. And this next generation needs to know about God and know about his ways. Mary, that's why we have these what, Ben? Oh, these Did are... Did you bring them? I love this. You know, this is... <laughs> One of the things I love about Mercy Road it's Church corny. is we, we do some cheesy things. And you know why we do cheesy stuff? Because cheese sticks. It does. Actually, they had the, the whole YouTube thing where they take Velveeta and fling it. I tried it on my daughters. Anyway, it works. Um, but I want to go ahead and call the ushers forward. They're going to hand out these, these little packets, and they're kind of like little Pokemon cards, if you guys have ever gotten into Pokemon cards. But inside there, you'll find these cards, and they actually have Bible references, and they got little little diagrams. There's actually, here's a picture with my face on it, the Gideon card. And then the really cool thing is, is that if you get one of these shiny ones, one of these little like golden ticket Willy Wonka style shiny ones. Take it to the uh, Connect Center, and you get a you get a free T-shirt. 
Yeah. Yeah. So you, Greg and I, we got our free shirt. You got a, a green one. And is that green? It's like aqua. Yeah, kind of. Mine's like a lilac. So, but you know, <laughs> here's the reason why we do this not just because of the cheese factor of it um, and the fun factor, but also is a reminder. You know, the, the things that you guys are hearing us preach on from week to week is coming directly from the Word of God. And we really are convicted that you don't just come on Sunday mornings and listen to us regurgitate this stuff. We want you to sit in it. As Greg loves, loves to say, he, we want you to marinate with the Scriptures. And so we're going to dive into uh, chapter 6. And our encouragement, as you guys are playing with your cards there, is find some time this week and sit in that chapter on your own. And just see what God reveals to you, because there's so much there, right, yeah. Greg? Yeah, it is. So let's, yeah. let's read together. I'll dive into this. Look up at the screen. Um, it says, Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them over to the hands of the Midian for seven years. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves, listen to this, in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. You know what I love about that is that, you know, we see here that God said, hey, I'm going to give you over to the hands of Midian. And he did that. And when we read that, sometimes we don't realize that God's loving them in that. Because what that does is it leads them to that point where he desires us to come to. And that is to, one, remember he's there and then to cry out to him. Yeah. And so, Greg, you and I, we've studied and we've gone through all of this, and we, we've kind of, you know, came up with three things. We did. We did. So three areas of what we want to cover today, and uh, you can write these down if you're taking notes, is um, fear, fact, and faith. We're going to deal with fear first and how we're captivated by that and what it can do to actually destroy us or paralyze us. Then we're going to talk about the facts or the truth what does God really say about us? And then the faith to embrace it. Yeah. So to dive into that fear factor, I'm going to continue reading in Judges 6.11. And it says this. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep from the Midianites. So I want you to just visualize, here's this guy. He's got some plants, and he's trying to thresh this wheat. I guess he's trying to separate the kernel from the, the shaft or whatever. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But he's hiding, okay? And he's in this wine press, and this is what happens. When the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon, he says, now, now don't miss this part. Here's, this is the best part of the whole chapter. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Can you imagine what Gideon's thinking when he hears that? He's like, hey, do you know where I'm at? I'm in a wine press and I'm hiding, okay? What, what, are, you, what are you seeing that I'm not seeing because I am not a mighty warrior sitting here in my little you know, wine press trying to make bread? Uh, and then he says, pardon me, my Lord. This is verse 13. Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? You ever find yourself doing that? Mm. You ever find yourself, all of a sudden, you're experiencing a difficult situation, and you're just like, God, why? 
Why is this happening? Why are you allowing this to happen? And he continues and he says, where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in strength you have, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. Verse 16, the Lord answers. Now everybody listen up, here you go. This is the theme throughout today's whole message. If you walk out of this room and anybody asks you, hey, what was that Father's Day message about? Here it is. I will be with you. I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. So fear. And that's so good. It is. It is great. It's so good, man. I love it. Well, that's right, why we're let's talking dive into about it. it. Yeah. So really, God uses tough times to get our attention. Say it again. I love that. God Let's... uses tough times to get our attention. Yeah, he does. My belief is that every one of us goes through tough times. We are challenged, and oftentimes fear sets in. And when fear sets in, we actually get captivated in our thinking. We get captivated in our heart. And like Gideon, we think, well, I'm not enough. Yep. Who am I? You know, I, I don't measure up. Or we compare ourselves with other people. Or we look at the mountain of the problem and we get discouraged and then we stay depressed. Every one of us in this room today has had some sort of challenge or oppression or fight that you're in right now. Guaranteed, across the board. We are as well. Pastors aren't anything special. So what we need to, to ask ourselves is, how am I going to deal with this fear? Am I going to let it captivate me? And, and fear, when we cycle in our thoughts, can be triggered by so many things. Yeah. And a lot of us have had injustices done. We've had abuses done. We have all of these things. We have Many of us have trauma that's stored in our system. And God wants to begin to bring us out of those places of trauma, of self-doubt, of self-loathing, of discouragement, of pain and say, wait, I have a different plan because I've called you and I want you to know who you are because I've called you. And so we're going we're gonna to look at some of that stuff, Ben. Um, so what about fear for you? Do you? I mean, as a dad, do you, ever, <laughs> you ever get him? Never. Never? Good. You know, it's funny, uh, Greg and I, we, we do uh, KOI boxing, knockout indie boxing on Tuesdays, Thursdays, 6 a.m. If any of you guys are daring enough to get up that early and come and hang out with us, we'd love to have you. But, um, you know, we're in there and we're fighting, and, and we're the biggest guys in there. And sometimes when you know, people look at us, they're like, them guys are real big. They're not afraid of nothing. Yeah, I'm six foot four. I'm 200 and a lot of pounds, Greg, and there are things <laughs> that scare me in this world. Spiders freak me out. Sp no, seriously, spiders terrify me. It's so bad. Yeah, that's right. Uh, spam is freaky stuff. That is scary. But, you know, all joking aside, and those, do th those things yeah, do freak yeah, me yeah, out. <laughs> um, all joking aside, there are a lot of things that do scare me. And, you know, I, I know I've shared this up here before. You know, one of my greatest fears is, you know, is public speaking, and, and I've gotten over that. 
Um, you know, I remember that first time I, I stood in front of a crowd and just how terrified I was and, you know, I don't know what to say, you know, that kind of stuff. And just how your mind gets flooded with doubt and, and you're, you know, you talk about this all the time and that is, is that, you know, the Lord is with us and we forget so easily because there an, there's an enemy that constantly reminds us. Right. He's constantly throwing out all of our shortcomings and saying, hey, you're the weakest. You're weak. You know what I love about this passage is that Gideon goes through and says, I got the weakest clan. And by the way, I'm, I'm the, the smallest, leastest, smallest, littlest guy here. And I love that the Lord doesn't correct him. The Lord's like, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. You're the littlest. But guess what? When I'm with you, you can do anything because of me. I can remember I was married for, I was almost 11 years and, uh, my wife and I, we had talked a lot up to that point about how we felt like maybe we shouldn't have kids. And I was okay with that because the idea of being a father terrified me. Absolutely was one of my greatest fears. And I can remember about 10 years into our, our marriage, we're hanging out on the porch and we're just, you know, chilling out and we're having this debate back and forth. And my wife, who's the smartest person I know, you know, she looks at me and she's just like, maybe we, maybe we should. Maybe we don't want to miss this. Maybe through this chapter of bringing a kid in this world, God will teach us something. And, and I'm like, you're crazy. Look at me. Do I look like I could be a father? I'm traveling around. Do we want to bring a kid into this madness? And uh, we ended up agreeing that we wouldn't try not to have kids. We weren't going to do anything. We're just going to see what happened. Three months later, I'm doing the dishes, and my wife, who's not really big into fanfare, uh, she's getting ready to leave to go to work. She says, hey, uh, before I head out, I want to put something in your head. Um, I took a test. I'm pregnant. Um, you got nine months to figure it out. You're going to be a dad. Good luck. And leaves. <laughs> And in that moment, I am overcome with this incredible amount of fear. Do I have what it takes? Am I smart enough? Uh, what kind of books do I need to read? I got to hop on and, and use the Google machine. I got to, you know, and I'm in panic, crisis mode. And the reason why I was so filled with doubt was not because of anything that I had done, but because of what I grew up with. My dad wasn't always there. My dad was a constant work. He was constantly at work. Then my parents got divorced. And I haven't seen my dad in six years. You know, and I thought to myself, just thinking about all the things that my dad had missed and hadn't done, and we had, you know, gone fishing and hanging out and having coffee and, and having those dad and son moments. Is that going to be me? Am I going to fall into that same pattern? But the thing that I forgot, and what we always have a, a tendency to forget, the same thing that we see Gideon forget as you read through this chapter yourself, is that the Lord is with us. That is the key ingredient. That is the one big difference between me and my father is that the Lord is in me and has constantly been changing me and teaching me and molding me. And Greg, I love being a dad. You're a good dad, too. I, I like, I don't always, you know, I, you know what? I still screw up and I do make mistakes, but I think the big difference is this, is that I decided to say yes, and I believe God honors that with, hey, you know what? As long as you do your best. And I love being a dad. I got two teenage daughters, and it's the reason why I'm going gray. Uh, but when they were kids, man, I would just collect story after story. And what I found is that as a dad, we think that it's going to be all about us giving them our wisdom, yeah. teaching them, molding yeah. them. But you know what happens is these kids end up teaching us. Mm -hmm. One of the things that so, my kids have taught me, and they've taught me a lot of things, but the one that I absolutely love is they've taught me to continue to laugh. Yeah, humor yeah. is a wonderful thing. And, and this is a funny story. Natasha was about, I don't know, maybe six or seven at the time. It was 2009. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings were playing the Green Bay Packers on a Monday night football game. I'm a diehard Viking fan. It's been years of disappointment. And uh, we had Brett Favre on our team, and they were taking on the Packers. And so like any good football fan would do, I'd put the kids to bed early. 
And I tucked him in and I told Natasha, I said, hey, you don't get out of bed because she's always the one that's out of bed. You stay in bed or the Sasquatch is coming. That's just me. And I get to the theme music and I'm watching the TV and all of a sudden I hear Natty screaming from her room, dad, are you down there? I'm like, yes, I'm down here. She's like, can you bring me some water? No, go to bed. I wasn't going to give her any water because when I put her to bed, she'd already had enough and I could hear the water sloshing around in her belly and I'm like, we're going to flood that room. And uh, two minutes later, she screams back at me, dad, you know, in that whiny voice, dad, I need water. Please bring me water. This goes on for 20 minutes. I, you know, every parent has a boiling point and I lost it and I screamed at her. I'm like, Natasha, Joy Glenn, I am coming up there right now. You're in trouble. And she screams back at me. Well, when you come up, can you bring me some water? <laughs> I laughed so hard. That's so good. We do need to laugh at ourselves. Yeah, we and, do. And I do a lot. Uh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, you know, as we move to the whole fact of, of this story, the fact is God saw Gideon different than he saw himself. Yeah. He understood the doubts, the fears, all those things. That continued until we finally get him into battle, which we're not going to cover this week. But um, we really need to adjust our perspective to God's. And part of that adjustment is saying he sees Gideon as valiant warrior. And before that has been said, I am with you. You know, we, we have that, that idea of calling really comes out of understanding my identity. Who does he say that I am? Which then comes only from knowing God's identity. So the more Gideon began to understand who God was, the more he could say, oh, you really are God. You really are incredible. So the story, which we're not reading right now, but as the angel of the Lord appears to him, Gideon knew enough of the Torah of the Old Testament. He goes and gets an offering, brings it to him, because he's not really sure who he is, and uh, brings the meat and the unleavened bread, takes the broth, pulls it out, pours it out. And then the angel of the Lord takes his the end of his rod, and he touches the meat and the bread, and it, from the rock, flames come up and totally uh, annihilate it. And then in that moment... The angel of the Lord dis disappears, and then Gideon stands up and goes, I am a dead man. Because Moses, when he's talking to God in Exodus 33, God's saying, no man can see my face and live. And so he has enough knowledge of that. This is God Almighty. I've just encountered him. I'm dead. Well, thankfully, the Lord says, no, you're not going to die. You're going to do what I've called you to do. But the fact is, is that God saw him different than we do ourselves. And, you know, one of the things that I, that I realize that with all the stuff going on in our lives and all the turmoil and challenges that we face, what I, one of the things I like about Mercy Road is that we have this engagement pathway that's simple yet profound and full of content yeah. and so we have rooted which gets people which you heard in the announcements gets people really grounded and what are the basics perspectives of the christian faith and then the huddle really deals with in a small closed community what's going on, on the inside you know we all have junk we all have stuff but we can work it out in a safe place i'm in two huddles my second one now because I, I want to keep learning i'm leading another one and i want god to do this work of transformation in my life. I want to be changed from the inside out. And so that then I can move into the area that I'm in, outposts, which are living on mission. And when I find out that I get more space cleaned up on the inside, I have a greater capacity to love on the outside. And so we're hoping that this resonates with you. And we learn from Gideon, hey, let's just don't 
let's just don't ignore what God has said, who we are, his child, royalty, a daughter, a son. We're his kids. We're empowered. We're more than conquerors. But a lot of times we don't do that, Ben, do we? Yeah, and I think that, you know, you mentioned, and I've heard you say it a couple times, this calling, this calling, this calling. And, you know, the Bible tells us, therefore go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit. And it doesn't say, hey, only a specific group of you go. It says, therefore go. And he's talking to all of us. And listening to you, Greg, what I'm hearing is is that the more time we spend getting acquainted with Jesus, the more time, and with even in community, the rooted, the huddle, the more we understand that God has empowered you to go, to, to be called. Now, what's the last part of that verse of, of Matthew 28? Oh, here you go. Is this the theme going no, through the verse? No, but here it is. Yes, yeah. it's the same uh, thing. I will be with you yeah, always. Yeah, there you go. There, go. there and it lo, is. I'm with you always till the end of the age. He promises that he's going to be with us. I want you, you got to tell the story. When I first met Greg, I asked him, I'm like, hey, how, you know, where do you live? And I and, uh, thought maybe you just lived around here somewhere. And he says, I, man, I live downtown in an area that's a little bit difficult, a little challenging. And I've heard him tell more stories about why him and his wife have been called to live down in that area. And I just want you to just touch on that for a minute. Yeah. Well, first of all, Beth, my wife, has been mentoring girls in the city for 26 years. And uh, she always wanted to live there, but couldn't as a, didn't think she should as a single gal. So we're married, and then we're, we're finding that, you know what? There's this stirring, this calling. I simply want to be a good neighbor. I want to know people of diversity, of different types of backgrounds. I want to really understand what's going on and just love people where they are. And so, and, and that's why I think why I mentioned with Juneteenth, why it's so important to me is that, that this is a special holiday to celebrate, especially where I live with my friends. So one of the stories that Ben's referring to is that um, we have a bunch of kids that, that flood our our side yard, our porch. They come up for popsicles. We had seven last night. <laughs> Miss Beth, can we have a popsicle? And so that happens all the time. And um, and so this one time, two doors down, there was this little gang click and um, all kinds of drugs and stuff going on. And I had them come in and help rehab my house. We had a relationship that went on. And we're out talking one day uh, with the oldest brother, Sam. And Sam says to me, he says, Mr. Greg, you're not having any problems, are you? And I said, no, Sam, thanks. He said, well, we got your back. The word's out. Nobody, nobody's to bother you guys because we need more people like you and Miss Beth to love our kids the way you love our kids. And that was simply a testimony of God's presence in us and part of that calling to just be a good neighbor and to love. You know, when God puts these callings on our heart to do something like that, you know, like in the story of Gideon, a lot of times we're, we're going to still have those moments of doubt. You know, there are, there are those moments where we are just like, yes, gung-ho, I'm going to take down that pole and take down that idol. And, and then all of a sudden you get back into that moment of feeling that doubt where that enemy throws something in your face that causes you to go back into that old way of thinking. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about your story. And did you guys ever have any doubt? You know, oh. did you ever have that moment of like, what are we doing? Yeah, a lot of doubts. Uh, first of all, wondering if... Um, we're going to be, and me in particular, just be accepted to for who I am and to not try to change anybody, fix anybody, but just to love folks. And then, you know, the, early on in those early days, there was some fear in the sense of I'm in, we we're in a fairly high-level high uh, gunfight area and all that. And so, um, so we're smart about what we do and how we navigate that. But I don't fear that anymore um, simply because... God is with us, we're walking, we're not naive, we're cautious, and yet uh, because we love our neighbors and have gotten to know them, we love our neighbors. 
And they're just great to, great to be with and great to hang out with. So there were some fears, and uh, now there's uh, not so many. I wrote this down in red in our notes here, and I said, can, God, can Greg and Beth do this on their own? Absolutely not. But with God. Greg can do all things. Amen. Beth can Amen. do all things. Amen, sure can. And I love that. You know, even in my, I, I share with you guys my fear of being a dad, and, and I was thinking about a moment where I was overwhelmed with doubt. Uh, just another fun kid story. My uh, youngest daughter, Annie, was six at the time. Uh, I've got this problem. I, I like to lose things. It's one of my ADD issues. I walk into a room, I'm like Johnny Appleseed with all my stuff. I'm like, I'm just going to throw it anywhere, you know? And then when you need it, you're like, oh, where is it? And so I, I've trained myself to have what I call an essentials location, where which is on top of the refrigerator. I'm the, the biggest one in the house, and I'm the only one who can get to it. So my wallet, my phone, my keys always go on top of the refrigerator. And so one day, I'm getting ready to leave, and my keys and my, my uh, phone are there, but my wallet's gone. So I go and ask my wife if she would happened to take in it, and she's no. And so then I go on the search. Where did I put it? Where did I put it? So 20 minutes go by, and I still can't find it. I call the place, you know, LA Fitness, see if I left it there. And uh, finally, I went into my wife's office, and I said, I'm at a DEFCON level five. I'm about ready to melt down. And she knows that this is a huge issue for me, so she's like, sit down, breathe. She gave me a paper bag. She's like, let me go look. And she's literally gone for like two minutes, and she comes back in the room with my wallet. And then I get really angry, and I'm like, is this a joke? Are you messing with me? What is going on? It's not funny. And she's like, calm down. Let me tell you where I found it. Just don't lose it. I found it in your daughter's room, in her dresser door table. Annie took your wallet. And all of a sudden, my brain did something that maybe some of you are familiar with. It went dark. All of a sudden, I'm thinking, I'm a horrible parent. I have failed my child. She is a thief. She's a kleptomaniac. She's going to see it. I'm going to start putting money away now for bail. You know, and that's all that's going through my mind. I mean, I can't believe I have not taught her not to steal my stuff. You know, and then I'm thinking, the other day, she was eating a candy bar. I don't remember buying that candy bar, Greg. Did she steal it? You know, this is going through my brain about how horrible I was. I didn't teach my child right. And my wife sees this happening. She's like, calm down. Go ask her. Just go ask her why. So I go into the room, and uh, there's Annie, and I'm like, hey, Annie. And I had my wallet with me. I'm like, I found my wallet in your room. Why would you take Dad's wallet? And I'm just holding back the anger. I just wanted to lash out in a lecture. She looks up at me. She says, well, you've been real busy, Dad, and it's Mom's birthday in a couple weeks, and I wanted to make sure you didn't forget to buy her a gift, so I was going to help you buy her a birthday gift, and you need a wallet to do that. So, yeah, uh, I was humbled. <laughs> And reminded. And sometimes God uses these little moments to remind us, hey, you know what? You are making a difference. They are hearing what you're saying. You know, sometimes we make ourselves available and we go and we work with students or we go and we work with kids or, or we, you know, go and move downtown and things don't go the way we want them to or we wonder, hey, am I making a difference? And am I making a difference? And then God gives us these little glimpses into the fact that, oh, yeah, what you're doing, that's it. Keep doing it. Yeah, and in the story, as we go on with Gideon, there's a, another critical verse uh, for me in Judges 6.34, and this is really where the faith thing shifts and changes. The enemies at the door, all the Midianites have come up and others, but verse 34 says, So the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew the trumpet, and the Abyssalites were called to follow him. So the first part of this, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Yeah came upon him. What's that remind you of? Anything like out of Acts 1-8? 
And you shall receive power, dunamis, dynamite, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, to do what? To be that witness where you live and beyond. But you're going to receive power. And that's the, the beauty, and I'll just share this quickly. I think the Spirit comes in us upon salvation to change us and transform us. He comes upon us to empower us for ministry, to help change others. And so in us to change us, upon us to help change others, to be that living witness. And so the, the Spirit, the full Holy Spirit that created this world um, with Jesus and the Father comes upon him. And then it says he picks up the trumpet and he blows it. It was a shofar. The word trumpet in the scriptures is listed 430 times. If you have a lot of repeats, by the way, in the scripture, pay attention to it. <laughs> because when the trumpet blows, the people were called to rally to something. In this case, to war. In other cases, to a celebration or a festival. This was so significant because nobody else for seven years had picked the trumpet up to blow it and say, hey, I'm willing, I'll lead. There was no leader. They were hiding in caves. They were fearful of their very lives. And so he's, he finally gets it from God. Okay, this is who you are, mighty warrior. Blows the trumpet. The people rally. And then great things happen because God is in it, even though he stood up and doubts still come. Yeah, God works with us through those doubts. But the, the most powerful thing out of that passage is, well, one, God coming on him. Yeah. You know, th that is huge. The Holy Spirit coming on him. And then him choosing to be willing. Yeah. You know, blowing that horn was him saying, you know what, yes, I'm going to do this. I may not know all of the you know, details on how it's going to get done, but that's where the faith comes in, right? Yeah. And right. he blows that horn. And, and, and how many of us need to say yes today? Yeah. You know, I, I know that they we're sitting here and we're thinking about God calling, God's calling. Maybe some of you are wondering, what is God's calling for your life? How many of, how many of us need to say yes you know, I talked about my dad, and, and my dad, he wasn't really there for me, you know. <clears throat> but I have so many men that said yes and were like a dad to me, mm. that poured into me, that said, I'm going to be available. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be present. I'm going to help teach. And it reminds me a lot of the story of your dad. Yeah. So to kind of wrap this up, um, just to share a brief story on Father's Day about my dad is that he was a World War II vet, fought in France and Germany, uh, came back on the GI Bill, went to college, uh, then started his own business, which was a struggling business. We had a lot of theft and uh, we had a lot of hot dogs and beans in those younger years. Uh, and so... In that, though, Dad and I hung out all the time. We'd go fishing. We'd have yeah. coffee. We'd talk about real-life stuff. Uh, as he got older, we would meet every other week and have coffee. And I would just ask him questions about, what is it to be a man? What, is it, what do you do in these situations? And, uh, and so Dad and I were incredibly close. He was my best friend. And near the end of his life, uh, he said to me, Son, I'm sorry that I've been a failure. I said, Dad, and I said, you're not a failure. I said, you've invested your presence. You've invested your life and your love in me. And because of that, I'm becoming the man that God has made me to be. But you've made such a difference. And he spent time. He had all the doubts. He had all the self-doubt and self-talk and fear. But I said, no, that's not what you've done. You've loved me well. And we can take that same message to heart that God wants to love you well and wants you to acknowledge and, and receive that love. 
And so today on this Father's Day, I'd love us to pray that because we struggle and because these thoughts happen and because he wants us to walk into our calling, into our identity, that we'll allow him to do so. Would you stand up with me and we'll, we'll close in prayer. Lord, maybe there's us here today that, like my dad, that uh, just didn't feel worthy. They didn't feel like they've succeeded. They've had lots of doubts and fears. Lord, would you move us to a place of confidence in you? Would you restore our faith and our trust in you? Would you give us the ability, like Josh spoke last week, to hear your voice? and to know how to walk this life out. And Lord, most of all, would you confirm in our hearts that you're with us right now, here today, wanting us to follow the calling you've given to each person uniquely. So if that's you, I would just say, Lord, change me. Allow me to function in joy and trust. And Lord, I pray also that you'll heal hearts in here today. And as the prayer room will be open at the end of this, that, that you would go and agree in prayer and say, I, I need somebody to pray with. So we trust you for this day, Lord. We give you this Father's Day. We want to rejoice in your faithfulness and your goodness. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.